This is a podcast by The Business Times. Singapore stocks opened the week lower on Monday, August 22nd, following losses in major global markets. The Straits Times Index was down 0.2% to 3,240 points at the opening bell. According to consumer price index figures from the Department of Statistics released on Tuesday, August 23rd, Singapore's core inflation rose to a new high of 4.8% in July. This was up from 4.4% in June. At the midweek, Singapore opened down 0.2% to 3,241 points after falling in major global markets and closed the trading day 0.4% down to 3,233 points. On August 24th, the U.S. Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics stated that the economy likely created 462,000 more jobs in the 12 months through March than previously estimated. Oil prices slumped by about $2 U.S. a barrel on Thursday, August 25th in volatile trade as investors braced for the possible return to global markets of sanctioned Iran Iranian oil exports and on worries that rising U.S. interest rates would weaken fuel demand. Brent crude settled at $99.34 U.S. a barrel, shedding $1.88 U.S. or 1.9%. And ahead of a speech by U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell at the Jackson Hole Symposium, gold prices edged up as the dollar slipped on Thursday. However, gold paired back gains today as concerns mount. It's Friday, the 26th of August. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. I'm podcast editor Clarissa Montero. Today, Singapore stocks opened higher after global markets finished on an uptrend. The Straits Times index was up 0.2% to 3,255 points at the open. Singapore's factory production saw surprisingly low growth of 0.6% in July vastly undershooting economists' expectations of 5.3%, the median forecast in a Bloomberg poll of private analysts, owing to contraction in the key electronics cluster, as well as further declines in biomedical manufacturing. Here's Lionel Lin, Director of Research at STX Securities, with his wrap of the week. The STI has been relatively flattish for the past four sessions ending Thursday, with the index trading within a range of about 150 basis points between the highs and lows. The broader Asia-Pacific benchmark was also flattish in the same period. With four more sessions to go before the month of September, the STI is seeing a month-to-date price gain of 1.1% versus the Asia-Pacific benchmark's gain of 0.2%. In the month-to-date, Emerging ASEAN countries, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines and Indonesia are leading the region, while the laggards are from the North Asian markets. Looking at the institutional fund flows for the past four sessions, we saw net institutional inflows of about 92 million Sing dollars as of 24th of August. By sector, financials, consumer and technology stocks saw the highest institutional inflows for the period at a combined $162.3 million, offset by the combined $63.7 million net outflows in REITs, industrials and real estate sectors. DBS, net inflow of $115.2 million, UOB, 52.9 million inflows, and Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust, 15 million inflows, were the top three net buy stocks. On the other hand, OCBC net outflows of 23.6 million, Capital Land Investment, 18.6 million outflows, and ST Engineering, 17 million outflows, were the top three net sell stocks. 
Across the Singapore market, we take a look at the outperformers so far for the week to date for companies with market cap of at least 500 million Sing dollars as of 24th of August. Coal miner Golden Energy and Resources was the top performing stock, gaining 14.9% for the week so far. In mid-August, the company reported first half 2022 net profit increasing 6.34 year-on-year to 503 million US dollars as buoyant coal markets and favorable pricing helped drive the company's average selling prices of energy and metallurgical coal upwards. Management is cautious of the market shifts in geographical rebalancing, which would add volatility and transport issues to their businesses, and they will monitor the demand and prices accordingly. For the year to date, the company's stock has gained 100%. Leading Asian cross-border investment manager Yang Zijiang Financial Holding gained 6.9%. In a recent interview with the Business Times, Executive Chairman Ren Yuanlin stated Yang Zijiang Financial Holding is relying on its years of expertise in the maritime and manufacturing industry to carve a niche for itself in the asset management space. The investment manager also sees opportunities to participate in fundraisings as companies delist from US markets and release in China. Luxury watch retailer The Hourglass was the third best performing stock with a gain of 6.4%. For the majority of the week, the non-STI stocks that led the share buyback consideration tally were Yang Zijiang Financial Holding and the Hourglass. The Hourglass paid around $2.24 Sing dollars per share for its shares, while Yang Zijiang Financial Holdings paid around $0.38 cents per share. As of 24th of August, Yang Zijiang Financial Holding bought back 1.5% of its issued shares, excluding treasury shares on the current mandate, and the hourglass bought back 1.6%. The other notable outperformers include UMS Holdings, Chipping Singh, Stanford Land, and Thomson Medical, which all come from diverse sectors. We saw commodities and resources names amongst the underperformers for the week, together with other maritime and offshore names. The top three underperformers this week are banking solutions fintech firm Silver Lake Axis with an 8.6% decline. Ascenders India Trust with an 8.1% decline and wealth management fintech firm IFAS Corporation, which declined 7.8%. Highlighting some notable company-specific news for the week, Singtel announced it has agreed to divest a 3.3% direct stake in its regional associate Bharti Airtel to Bharti Telecom, its joint venture with India's Bharti Enterprise, for 2.25 billion Sing dollars. The company expects a net gain of $600 million from the transaction, leaving it with a 29.7% effective stake in Airtel, comprising 19.2% indirect stake through Bharti Telecom and a 10.5% direct stake. Singtel's group CFO stated divestment will help to illuminate the sizable value of its holdings in Airtel, proceeds from the sale to help the group fully meet its needs for 5G growth initiatives in the years to come. The CFO also stated this put the group in a strong position to grow its dividends in a sustainable way in line with its dividend policy. DBS announced that the number of trades executed on DBS Digital Exchange in June this year was more than double that of April's, with buys accounting for over 90% of trades on DDX in the month. The number of Bitcoins under custody by DDX as of end June this year grew by about 30% since end April, 
or the number of Ethereum under custody grew by about 3% during the same time period. In the same period, the exchange also registered a 10% growth in its customer base with strong reverse inquiries from corporate and institutional investors. Moving forward, DDX is on track to roll out self-directed trading for accredited investors in the coming months, affording them greater control over their digital asset portfolios. Olam's wholly owned unit, Olam Treasury, has secured a medium-term samurai loan facility of 26.7 billion yen in the Japanese market. Guaranteed by Olam, the facility comprises a 3-year tranche of 20.7 billion as well as a 5-year tranche of 6 billion. The group stated proceeds will be used to refinance Olam Treasury's existing loans and for general corporate purposes. Fraser's property has formed a new platform focusing on growing capital partnerships with its long-term investors. Called Fraser's Property Capital, the platform will coordinate capital partnerships with like-minded investors keen to take part in the company's growth as it pursues investment opportunities aligned with its strategic objectives. In a separate announcement, the company will also be previewing its 158-unit residential project Sky Eden at Bedok this weekend, with sales bookings to start from the 10th of September. The developer said pricing for the project on a per-square-foot basis will start from $1,937, depending on unit sizes. United Hampshire US REIT announced it has begun negotiations on refinancing options for its short-term liabilities maturing in March 2023 and is confident of a successful outcome in response to the stock exchange query. Management stated it has a broad range of banking relationships with local and international banks and has begun negotiations with both its existing as well as potential new lenders on refinancing options for its loan facilities well in advance of their maturity. First REIT launched a tender offer to buy back $60 million of its perpetual securities in cash at about 70% of the principal amount. On top of the purchase price, First Street will also pay the accrued but unpaid distribution on all securities accepted for sale. The REIT manager explained its offer is to provide liquidity to the security holders given the illiquid nature of the outstanding securities and to optimize the trust debt capital structure as part of its continuing capital and liability management initiatives. Here's correspondent Wang Pei Ting with further insights from the Business Times news desk. Markets played a waiting game the whole of this week in anticipation of a speech by Fed Chair Jerome Powell at the Jackson Hole Symposium on Friday, which would shed more light on the Fed's policy outlook. There was some nervousness behind the wait as Jackson Hole was on occasion used as a platform to send clear messages to the markets, and not always one that is expected. This has caused US stocks to slide three days straight over relatively slow sessions before rebounding on Wednesday and Thursday as traders turned to buying up big tech stocks. Trading volume was still light, however, which signaled analysts that most traders were still holding back. Oanda senior market strategist Edward Moya said it is hard to be aggressive with any positioning until to hear from the central bank leader. His sense is that a slower global growth environment is not going away anytime soon, given that broader signs of weakness for the US economy are now clear. For now, he said he needs to stick to the hawkish script and leave all options of tightening on the table. 
On that note, most major indices in Asia traded lower over the past five trading days ending Thursday. Still to come on the back of the PM's National Day rally speech, there was an expectation that markets would react. We take a closer look at this as well as other news and drivers with Lionel Lin and Wang Pei Ting. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. According to consumer price index figures from the Department of Statistics released on Tuesday, August 23rd, Singapore's core inflation rose to a new high of 4.8% in July. This was up from 4.4% in June. What does this mean for investors? And what else should they note? The consumer price index data showed core inflation hitting a new high of 4.8% in July, a hair above economists' expectations of 4.7%, notably bringing the market to a five-day low of under 3,225. IG market strategists said the index is attempting to hang above a confluence of support at the 3,250 level. One to watch is if the STI can form a higher low ahead. The STI closed at just below the mark at 3,247.8 on Thursday after rising 0.4%. While the STI was down, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index moved up 1% along the week. The Kospi fell 1.2%, the Nikkei fell 1.6%, while Australia's ASX fell 0.9%. Lionel, there was some notable news coming from the PM's National Day rally speech. Let's break it down. On a macro level, Prime Minister Li Xianlong shared that the external economic environment has become more challenging, which will require Singapore to press on with economic upgrading and restructuring. Singapore should also redouble its transformation efforts and encourage workers to upgrade their skills. Giving an update on some of the key projects in Singapore, Mr Lee stated the relocation of the Paya Lebar Air Base, which will start in 2030, will potentially yield 150,000 new public and private homes. This is roughly the number of homes in Pongo and Singkang today. Mr Lee also stated work on Changi Airport Terminal 5 will restart with completion expected in mid-2030s. The new terminal is expected to serve about 50 million passengers a year, more than Terminal 1 and 3 combined. Mr. Lee also updated that the Mega Tuas port began operations last December, with two berths opened and three more will start operations by December this year. When fully operational, the port will have 66 berths spanning 26 kilometers and be capable of handling the largest container ships. On talent, Mr. Lee announced that the Ministry of Manpower, Ministry of Trade and Industry and Economic Agencies will soon be announcing new initiatives to attract and retain top talent from around the world. Also of note, the yield on the one-year Singapore Treasury bill has averaged 2.8% so far in August as short-term interest rates move up by investors eyeing higher yields for the increasingly popular Singapore savings bonds should not expect a similar pattern for these long-term instruments. Investors are looking ahead to the upcoming October issuance of SSBs as the one-year Treasury bill has been rising over its 10-year counterpart in yield every trading day so far in August. 
The 10-year Treasury bill has averaged 2.65% for the month through 19th of August. Lionel, let's look at some notable company earnings reports to give listeners some food for thought. Singtel announced its net profit for the first quarter and the June increased 41.3% year-on-year to $628 million, mainly due to a better operational performance, accessional gains from India's Bharti Airtel, and dilution of its effective shareholding in Australia Tower Network. First quarter, EBITDA fell 2% year-on-year, while operating revenue slipped 5.6% year-on-year, largely due to the absence of Optus National Broadband Network Migration Revenue and contributions from MLB. SingPost saw first quarter and June operating profit declining 46.7% year-on-year, even on the back of a 34.7% year-on-year growth in revenue and steeper costs and challenges in the core post and parcel business negatively impacted. The stronger top line was offset by lower revenues from the core post and parcel business due to the structural decline in letter mail, lower e-commerce logistics volume, and continued supply chain disruptions in international e-commerce operations. The segment recorded an operating loss. Peting, what should investors keep their eyes on for the week ahead? Next week, markets should be tracking the release of the latest data on US job openings on Tuesday, Japan's consumer confidence on Wednesday, and US unemployment numbers on Friday. And of course, Asia will take its turn to react to Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech on Monday since the speech would be made after the region's markets close for the week. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. I'm Clarissa Montero with Lionel Lin, Director of Research at SGX Securities and Wong Pei Ting, Correspondent with the Business Times. That was a podcast by the Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.